All right, hello, and welcome to the Yet Another Value Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Walker, and with me today, I'm excited to have my friend and uh, a private investor, as we're calling him today, Jeff Moore. Jeff, how's it going? Good, how about you, Andrew? Doing good, man. Uh, hey, let me start this podcast the way you do every podcast, and that's by pitching you. Uh, I've known Jeff for years. For those of you on the YouTube, I was seasoning him before. We met in person a couple years ago, and at the time, he was, he was rocking a real mountain man beard, and I'm a little disappointed he's not giving that to the YouTubers today. But, uh, you know, he's one of the sharpest and quirkiest microcap investors I know. Um, his Ethnex trade, it was Ethnex, right? The the bankrupt company? Yeah, me and Thomas Brazil did that. Yeah. Say again? Me and Thomas did that, yeah. Yeah. That, I, I mean, that one is uh, the stuff of absolute legends. People can go read the backstory on your, on your blog, Ragnar is a Pirate. Uh, we've got Jeff to thank for the activism in the old site star and whatever Enterprise Diversified is becoming. Uh, so, you know, whenever Jeff pitches a microcap, it's worth paying attention. So let's dive into the microcap that we're actually, it's probably more than a microcap. I guess this is like on the, no, it's still a microcap. It's like, what, 600 million market cap? Uh, for me, the it's, microcap, we're good. Go ahead. For me, it's huge, right? I mean, like. <laughs> They say size doesn't matter, but uh, let's dive into the talk we're, we're going to talk about today. Uh, the company is Thrive, T-H-R-Y. And why don't we just jump in it? You can give us an overview who they are, why you're attracted to them. Yeah. So um, I, I guess there's a couple of ways you can, you can look at it. But ultimately, it's it's two very unique businesses uh, that are kind of combined into one. And, and um, you know, the, the first one is not exciting. So if you if you want the letdown first, listen to this part, or maybe just skip ahead a couple minutes to, to the exciting part. But the first part of it is basically a, a legacy yellow pages business, right? They sell, well, they don't even sell, they, they really give away phone books, like to hotels, uh, gas stations, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, it's a melting uh, iceberg of a business, as they refer to it, you know, it did something like a billion bucks in revenue last year. Who, who would have thought? But, you know, for these phone books that they pass out, they take in something like $9.50 in revenue from uh, people advertising, like, you know, in Kentucky, like Dawn Howard Plumbing or Rotor Rooter would advertise, right? Um, or, you know, even landscaping companies. You know, a, a, a business partner of mine, her, her brother, uh, you know, he, he advertises filter. In there, right? And he probably gets, you know, a couple thousand dollars in bookings from it a year for, you know, a hundred dollars in expenditure or something. Wow. That's crazy yeah. ROI. Yeah. Yeah. So it works out for them. And, uh, you know, the, the actual cost to print one of these books and, and, and get it into a location is like a dollar fifty or something like that. So they're looking at it. It's like 90% margins on phone books of all things. Right. Um, they also do some, um, some uh, SEO stuff and marketing services and things like that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of compelling. You know, they can really help with search results and whatnot um, uh, and, and, and do some really interesting things with that. Um, so anyway, that's, that's, that's a melting iceberg of a business. You know, it's going down, you know, low 20s in the percentages. Uh, you know, I think last year it did like 24% decline in revenue, but they had some COVID credits where they were, you know, helping out some businesses and whatnot. And if you wouldn't, and I think it was like 17 million bucks or something they gave it that. So, you know, 22, 23%, I think is what you'll probably see going forward, which coincidentally, like you'll kind of see with uh, a particular rural ISP uh, that's that's a micro cap that we, we all know. Um, you know, that, that business is declining at 20% a year, like clockwork and has been forever, pretty much, but it cash flows like crazy because who would think that email addresses that people pay, you know, five bucks a month for or whatever, you know, have 20% profit margins for the company, right? So, so you know, that's the melting glacier, really, I would, I would call it. Um, and uh, then, you know, they, they had a bankruptcy in like 2015 or so, yep. 2016 reorganized and that's kind of one of the interesting parts of the play that i'm in uh which we'll get to in a little bit but uh they they started a, a SaaS business that's also called thrive that's called thrive and they renamed the whole company after that to kind of show the transition of the business and so this is uh you know a, a software that's really made for small business um and it's fantastic software i've got experience with it like we actually signed up as resellers for it to learn more about the product and kind of how that works. And we got, you know, a contractor on it that I know he loves it, um, like loves it. And we're going to be getting some more businesses on there. Uh, my HVAC guy was already on there. Um, I, I know a, a, a garage uh, 
floor coding guy who I bought some townhouses off of his dad. Uh, it turns out he uses Thrive for that as part of a franchise he has, which you'll hear Joe Walsh talk about the franchises that use the software. He loves it. Um, so it's just a great small business software. And the beauty of it is its simplicity. I mean, I, I, I genuinely think that it is boomer proof. Um, if, if you have trouble emailing, you'll be able to use Thrive. And, and they've done a really good job of making it very simple which is not something that, you know, Salesforce or HubSpot or, um, you know, Service Titan, uh, something like that is. Those are complex systems. I mean, I, I, I would have trouble navigating those. And I think I'm a little bit tech savvy. Um, so, but, but the simplicity of it is its beauty. And that helps it roll out to small businesses and they can implement it very quickly. Um, they've got onboarding widgets. They've got onboarding staff that help you. And they're really good about checking in with you because ultimately if they as soon as you start using more features of it, you're locked in. I mean, it's, it's just like this iPhone, right? The yep. first iPhone that you get, you're not locked into the ecosystem, right? Um, but if you get an iPad or an Apple Watch or a MacBook or anything like that or a HomePod, you are stuck in the Apple ecosystem forever. Um, and it's a similar thing with some of the SaaS software. So, so Jeff, if I'm a local plumber, Thrive yeah. software I could use, can you just exactly, you know, you say there a plumber uses the software, but there's a lot of different things a plumber could use the software for. So, what solutions is Thrive specifically going to give plumber that your HVAC friend or whatever? Like, what is their software solution looking to do? Just so people can see, uh, you know, are we talking email solutions? Or are we talking, you know, pricing jobs? Like, what are they doing? Well, a little bit of everything. The sky's probably more so the limit than than, than there being limitations by the software. So in the example of my HVAC uh, contractor, if you would Google HVAC Lexington, Kentucky, right, there'll be, you know, dozens of results that pop up. But uh, if you go down below the paid ads, which will be uh, like uh, comfort systems, um, and then Greenbox will probably pop up, Mr. HVAC is right below that. And that's surely because he's using the Thrive uh, SEO platform. You know, he pays, I think, 200 bucks a month for it. And they, they, he pops up very high on those search features. Or at least he does for me, and it may be because you know I've got Riffit's cell number in, in in my phone, and there's cookies. No, you know what? I'll, I'll just so I just googled HVAC Lexington, Kentucky. First thing that pops up: Home Advisor advertisement, HVAC pros. Second thing: Best ten HVAC uh, from it's the Yelp page. Third thing is expertise.com. Fourth is St Stivers HVAC. Fifth thing, as you said, Mr. HVAC Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. So he, he pays nothing for advertising. Zero right? That's surely the Thrive software that he pays 200 bucks a month for. And what that does is, is it links up all the business hours of services, uh, the reviews, everything like that. So it aggregates data from like 40 sites, you know, um, like Facebook, uh, Yelp, uh, Home Advisor, Angie's List, all these other, other, other places. And it makes a consistent uh, uh, internet presence amongst all the platforms, which is huge. I mean, this is like literally the, the way that a lot of these small business uh, contracting firms work specifically. And, and this is true for a lot of small businesses, but if you can get any internet presence and get it to be halfway decent with something like Thrive, like it's like being in an ass kicking contest with a one-legged man, as, as Charlie Munger says. I mean, you were so far ahead just automatically. And um, so that's one of the big things from it. Um, and uh, uh, you know, other things that, that it can do. Um, uh, I'll, I'll say the most exciting for last. So let me write it down so I remember to say it. Um, but you know, it has scheduling. It, they can set up a website for you, right? Where like you just kind of enter in stuff. Like uh, what's what's the company that uh, kind of halfway did that that Yahoo acquired for a bunch of money uh, a, a while ago? Uh, oh. Tumblr. Tumblr. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so you know, it's almost like that, right? You know, they, they prefab these websites for you. Um, you know, they, they get your hours consistent. They can do scheduling. So, you know, let's say that you have estimators, right? You can put in schedules online and then it'll link up with the website. And then you could say, Hey, I'm good at 4:30 PM on Tuesday, the 18th or whatever. They'll know to come out. It follows up with text messaging. It gets everything in an inbox. It gets all the messenger um, apps and stuff to work together. It sends appointment reminders. I mean, as, as, as a real estate investor, a big problem we have is tenants not letting plumbers in or plumbers not getting the right info or something. So it can link up people and be like, Hey, we're on the way, you know, make sure to be there to let us in. Um, you know, uh, you know, you can put, you know, I guess 
the Thrive software, what it's going to do, it's not going to do your accounting, right? So that's going to be more QuickBooks or something handling all. all yeah, it, it links up to it, but it's not it's not an accounting. But it's more uh, a customer relationship management CRM, uh, and it handles all of your internet presence, I guess is what it said. So they'll do your website, they'll get your SEO optimized, they'll link into all your schedules, they'll let people book scheduling on your thing. They're rolling out one of the most exciting, which I don't know if we'll talk about or not, Thrive Pay. They're gonna handle they're gonna handle your incoming payments, which I think is a really interesting opportunity. But it, that's really what to think about. I, I think, um, you know, mind body on the, that was more for gyms and stuff, but it, it's almost mind body for small businesses, the, the plumbers and HVACs. Am I thinking about that correctly? Yeah, I mean, it even does stuff like, you know, handles your back office. I mean, there's a time clock feature. on. I mean, there, there's something like 20 or 30 features that, that it does um, for small businesses. And I mean, you know, I uh, frankly, I don't know all of them. I mean, yep. it hasn't been really a reason for me to look at, well, I mean, I own stock in the warrants, but, you know, so I, I, I should know that a little bit better. But, um, I mean, it, it's fantastic. And there, there are multiple different, like, kind of modules for it, right, that they've been developing, right? Because there was almost like a one-size-fits-all thing, and they kind of realized, okay, you know, something like, uh, uh, well, mind to mind, right? It, it's catered for a certain industry, right? Um, you know, or service type is kind of catered to HVAC or uh, plumbing, right? It's a fantastic program. But I mean, I know some of the local firms here that use it. And one of them is a very big, like multi-city, you know, Lexington, Louisville place that has, you know, 40 vans in Lexington. They're not using it right. Like they literally have no clue what they're doing. And they have a big back office dedicated to that. Um, because it's so complex and, you know, uh, so Thrive, they, they've got, you know, kind of a, a contractor services, uh, portal that they do. They've got one that's uh, HIPAA approved for, uh, medical, uh, uh, practices, which I think is really kind of fascinating. Um, legal services, um, you know, they're, they're developing others and I, you know, kind of some of those niche, uh, markets, you know, there, there could be some really compelling stuff in there over time, I think. Perfect. All right. So. Uh, I, I'm going to start off by saying, A, the first question I'm about to ask you is probably going to be a little bit of softball, but I think as we go into the questions, uh, I'm going to ask some hard questions. And listeners who are familiar might say, oh, these questions are a little bit tougher than Andrew normally asks a listener. And Andrew must hate the idea. And they're actually going to be wrong. I'm actually really interested in the idea. So the reason I'm pushing back is because I'm interested. But I guess the first question is, you know, when, when, when I hear you've got this software firm that's going after, you know, small businesses and uh, and all this sort of stuff, and they're married to a yellow, a, a dying melting ice cube yellow page business. And your first thought is, why is a software company and a yellow page business? Why are these two together? So why why are these two together? I mean, John Paulson went on a went on their Q3 earnings call and said, you need to split these off so we can get the value of the the software business, right? Get that sweet software as a service revenue multiple. So why are these two businesses together? Why does that make sense? Um. So so they developed Thrive, you know. Uh, numerous years ago. And, uh, you know, there, there's overlap, right? Because at the end of the day, a lot of these small businesses are, are advertising the yellow pages. So you can kind of cross sell them onto the Thrive platform. And they got about 10% of those customers on uh, the Thrive platform, uh, which is really pretty impressive. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just cross selling services. And, you know, you can, you can do a lot of stuff with that. Um, uh, new new products and, and and all that, and I think that that kind of plays into their growth strategy with the census acquisition, which we'll probably be talking about later. But um, yeah, I mean they're 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 different businesses, and I think that that's part of why the valuation is the way it is because of the Yellow Pages business kind of obfuscating um, the the SaaS. Um, I do think that that's going to be rapidly changing though. Um, and th th then there's this other part of the business that they talk about a little bit, which is Thrive Pay, right? Which is actually getting ready to, in the next couple of months, be a standalone payment platform, right? Um, you know, so is it going to be the next square? Like, no, I don't think so. But we'll be able to do, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in unique payments. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's probably in the cards. And I think that that could be a good way to get more people on the Thrive platform. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, and look, uh, I, I mean, Payments are the holy grail, right? Once you got someone on your payment system, it's really difficult to rip out. You can a every day you're getting more revenue. You're interacting with them. I mean, that is the holy grail. But let me let me give my first pushback here, right? 
you mentioned earlier, right when you were starting, you said, hey, it's sticky, right? You, you get the iPhone and it's, I've tried to switch off the iPhone before. It's tough. You get used to the operating system and it's even tougher with, you know, you go on Thrive, you integrate it with your QuickBooks. So it's going into all your accounting stuff. So I, I agree. It should be a sticky platform, but their churn is it's pretty high, right? So I think my first pushback would be, hey, you're saying this is a sticky product. I'm seeing lots of churn here. And one of the reasons... It, their churn is higher than a lot of the peers. You know, we mentioned MindBody as a loose peer. I think if you comp them to a lot of the other peers, their churn is a lot higher. And you could very easily say, hey, if you're churning higher, you deserve a much lower revenue multiple because you have to get, spend a lot more. Your customer lifetime value is lower. You have to spend a lot more to go acquire new customers to replace the churn. So first pushback, you say it's sticky. Why is the churn here so high? Yeah, so there, there's a couple reasons. Uh, historically, I think it's it's that they sold the product to some of the wrong businesses, and and I that's something that management has talked about a lot, and and I happen to agree with it. Um, when we were signing up for the product and talking about becoming a reseller for it, literally the first question that our sales rep uh, named Carrie um, asked us was, "What's your business size? What are your goals?" Because we want to be sure that that we are uh, lined up and on the same page. Because you know. If, if we can't provide you with the service that you want, you know, we wish you well, but it just won't be a good fit for anybody. So they have taken that. And literally, that's the first thing you said. It was basically like, how, why should I not sell you our products? Um, so, so I think that they really have committed to that and getting with the right customer base. Right. The other thing, too, is like a company like HubSpot. Um, yes, it, it is a better SaaS business. I, I'm, there's no disputing that. And yes, Thrive deserves a smaller revenue uh, multiple than that, I think. Um, because, you know, big uh, corporations or, you know, you know, the sales force would sell to things like that. Um, that's, you know, they're, they're probably going to stay in business more than like, you know, your local HVAC firm, right? I mean, they, they start over all the time. That happens. I mean, you know, I, I, I what's, what's the stat, you know, I mean, 50% of small businesses fail in the first three years or something like that. I, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but I know it's a high failure rate. So I think you're going to see that. Um, with the company. But another thing on the, the upside for that is that generally entrepreneurial, entrepreneurs are serial entrepreneurs. So they fail, they start up again, they fail, they start up again, right? So like, you know, with the example of my iPhone, if, you know, I break this iPhone, am I going to go switch to Android or, you know, whatever other software platform or whatever there is, I'm going to get another iPhone. So if I start up another business because I failed, I'm probably going to go to the software that I already know. Um, the, the other aspect of that for the high churn rate, I feel like is that a lot of small business owners are generally unsophisticated with software solutions. Um, it gets back to that, you know, being in an ass kicking contest with a one-legged man, right? I mean, a lot of these guys, they're, they're, they, they wear so many hats, you know, they're their own bookkeeper, they're their own secretary, they're their own salesperson, they're their own installer, you know, they've got to collect bills and all that stuff. You know, they've got to manage their, you know, their handful of employees. And, you know, a lot of these, in my experience, a lot of these contractors and, and, and my view of the company is heavily based on contractors because I, I do a lot of real estate. So yeah. that, that's that's my bias, I guess. But they're wearing a lot of hats. And so, you know, sometimes something as, as simple as responding to an email is a big time commitment for them or they feel like they can't because they're so overwhelmed with so much stuff. So when it comes to like kind of perfecting things with, with the software that really does make their life simple, um, over the long term, they're really worried about getting making payroll for Friday. So they may not be thinking, you know, I need to be doing this marketing campaign where MailChimp is linked up with with Thrive. They're they're probably not thinking about that. They're you know some of these guys live hand to mouth, and I think that that shows with when they may drop the software. Angie's List, which is a company we I've done a podcast on, I've looked at a lot. That's one of the things they always say. They're like, hey, look, a lot of our plumbers they don't care that we say, hey, you know, you're spending two hundred dollars on our platform and you're getting. $2,000 of business off, you know, your ROI is 10X. Obviously there's costs and stuff associated with revenue, but this is an incredible marketing tool for you because the, the plumbers aren't looking at it like that, right? They're saying, hey, I just gave you $20 and I didn't get any lead from that because some of the business would be, you're one of three plumbers lead. And they're looking at, at that as money burnt, right? They're not looking at the total cost. And I don't think it's because they're dumb. I think it's because these plumbers, you know, they actually have to go do plumbing. They're spending their time plumbing. They're not looking at sophisticated ROI models for this thing. So that makes sense. Who's the big- I think there's going to be a generational shift with that. I, I, I genuinely think, I mean, you know, you can see with the adoption of iPhones and like just how people email better now than they, they used to, you know, I mean, people, everyone used to hit reply all on email. 
for a company change. And now that's like a thing of internet memes where it's like, God damn it. Why did they do that? You know? And, and even with group text, right? I mean, my parents will get in a group text and, you know, they think that they're texting with one person and they're actually texting with the group. And, and I think that, that there's going to be some spillover into the acceptance of uh, CRMs and, you know, SaaS businesses, you know, especially as there's just that natural progression, you know, it's kind of like the people that used to be using the yellow pages to, to find a plumber now go on Google, right? Or, and then I think the next generation uh, will be more apt to get on something like Angie's List um, rather than just do a Google search. So Thrive, when they're going and, you know, when your contract buddy or whoever is looking at the software, who's Thrive's competitor in the super, I'm going to call it the super small business, local business type space for the this CRM? Because I, I doubt it's a HubSpot, maybe maybe MindBody if you're, but who, who are the other options here? So uh, again, I'm, I'm going to be heavily biased towards construction. Um, That's fine. So, yep. Yeah. Um, so Jobber would be uh, probably the, the closest competitor. Um that I can think of, uh, they're, they're, they're really contractor businesses though. I mean, you could, you, you couldn't run like a hair salon or something on, on Jobber, which you could, but thrive. Um, service Titan, like I was saying, like, that's probably the one that everybody knows about, uh, that'll be watching this. That's a much more complex software. Um, I, that's not what thrive set up to do. Um, they're not even trying to compete with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that Jobber would be probably the main one. I'm sure that there are several others, um, there are probably some pretty niche players and I, I, you know, by, uh, my diesel mechanic, right. I was in, I was talking with him about the software he used and he talked about how his son was getting him on like garage medic or something like that. It was something that I'd never heard of that, you know, probably doesn't have many users or maybe it does. I don't know. But, um, I think that there's probably some pretty niche products. Um, like my firm, uh, my, my contracting firm uses uh, co-construct and we really like that. And there's some overlaps with it, with, with thrive, but you know, Personally, I would really like to see them partner um, because they, there are some really interesting things they could do together, uh, especially with all the data co-construct has from subcontractors that could benefit from Thrive and you could get like cross-linking of the platforms to do payments and stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I mean, Java would probably be the main one. And I'm sure that, like I said, I'm sure that there are others. Um, no, that's perfect. Nothing, nothing, I don't think anything is as general as Thrive. Um, Let me... Uh... Let me put a different a different tag. So as an investor, I, I hear you come in and you say, hey, I've got a, a great idea. We're going to invest in Thrive, right? It's a former Yellow Page company, or I guess current Yellow Page company, but the, the sexy stuff is kind of in the software as a service, though. The, the majority of value is probably still in the legacy stuff. But when you say that, my first thing is I have heard people pitch former Yellow Page companies for over a decade at this point, right? And all of them go bankrupt. And then they emerge and then someone new pitches them. And guess what? Three years later, they go bankrupt again. Because these things, you know, they are they are melting ice cubes. You said it. It might be a melting glacier, might be a melting ice cube. Uh, a lot of that is because, you know, many of them were dealing with uh, debt structures that were set in 2005 when the Yellow Pages were a much better business. But, you know, I've seen them chapter 11, chapter 22, for some of them chapter 33, right? So when I say that, the first thing that pops in my mind is roadblock is like kind of pattern recognition. Former yellow page companies go bankrupt. And I think if we're if we're going to stop generalizing a little bit, I do think there is, hey, there's probably a lot of brain drain, right? Like Thrive, uh, we'll probably dive into this pushback in a little bit, but Thrive is trying to build up a software as a service startup startup type uh, growth company. And if they're competing for an engineer and they go to, you know, the, the engineer who just graduated from Stanford and they say, we'd like to give you a job. And he's got a job offer between a former yellow page company and Google pretty obvious what he's going to go with. So I'll, I'll turn both of those concerns over to you. Yeah. So to, to talk about the, the latter point, they're, they're run as two distinct companies. I mean, and, and they're starting to break that out of their financials. They just literally filed their first 10K as like a post-bankruptcy company, right? And the only filing before that was 10K. Um, so they're breaking that out. They're run as two separate companies. They could hypothetically split them off tomorrow. Their, their debt makes that a little bit complicated because of the new bond offering they did. Uh, but they could split it, you know? And so I, I think that that's also part of the rebranding with calling it Thrive. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that, that, that I would probably do if I was pitching this, um, I, I would generally want to talk about the SaaS first and then, and then be like, oh, by the way, there's this Yellow Pages business you get for free or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so, and, and to be fair, I mean, Dex Media, the, the predecessor to Thrive, did go bankrupt. I mean, that's that's why the warrants that I hold exist is because a lot of the debt holders got um, got warrants in exchange because uh, the equity was totally wiped out. 
Um, so I'm going to knock on wood with both hands and say this time it's different. <laughs> Hopefully, um, uh, you know, they've delevered a lot. They paid off a lot of debt. They recently did a debt refinance. Uh, they actually just funded an acquisition with some of the debt with Census in Australia. Um, they bought it like one and a half times EBITDA. Um, and they've got a lot of uh, points in the debt uh, covenants that, that make them repay the debt. Right. And then, you know, so, so they're, they're, they're pouring money back into the debt. And I, like I, I, I could go through the slide presentation here um, to see the exact amount, but I think they paid back, you know, something like you know, $200 million in debt or something like that in the past year. I can't remember the exact number, but it was a lot. Yeah. Um, and as they get that debt pay down, you know, you kind of get the virtuous cycle of, hey, you're paying less interest on the remaining debt. So, you know, you, you pay off more principal. Right now, their debt is scheduled to be paid off in five years. Um, I think the company is their goals, or at least what IR has told me, uh, you know, they're, they're hoping to do it in less than that. Um, another interesting point, uh, I keep talking about these warrants, but, you know, these warrants, you know, let, let's walk through the mechanisms of them because it has to do with the debt, ultimately. So, as you all know, a warrant is basically a call option that's issued by the company. Right. And so there's, you know, going to be capital injected into the company if the, the, the warrant uh, uh, exercise price is met, all things equal. Right. So right now there's something like ten and a half million warrants. Um, they convert into about five and a half million shares of stock. Right. And uh, the exercise price is twenty four dollars and thirty nine cents a share. So right around current price. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, again, it's about a two to one ratio. Uh, for the warrants to shares. And um, they have until August the 15th at 5 p.m. of 2023 to exercise, right? So we're two and a half years out on this, basically. And uh, I think it's a pretty compelling bet, right? I think it's a very levered bet, even though there's no market for these things. Uh, and we can get into how I kind of got them later if you want to go down that, that, that conversation rabbit hole. But if you look at the exercise price of 24.39 a share, multiply that by the roughly five and a half million shares that would be issued for that, there's going to be about $141 million injected into the company. And this is a company that has about $700 million in debt right now, um, or as of the, the bond offering, right? And they've probably had some pay down in the past, you know, couple of weeks, you know? Um, so you, you start looking at that, it's like, well, if they get 141 million bucks sometime in the next two years, with the cash flowing business, with the EBITDA profitability of the SaaS business, that starts to look pretty compelling. And I think gives you a, a pretty good margin of safety for if they kind of run into an, oh shit, we miscalculated the revenue decline. Because um, I mean, that, that is a risk, but I, I think it's an acceptable one from my perspective. For me, it, for me, it's just a financial engineering bridge too far because you, you get super circular, right? Like every yeah. time I've ever seen a company, I, I remember AMC actually did manage to pull it off. But every time I've ever seen a company that had converts that were in the money that said, oh, we, we look at that as a equity piece of our capital structure, that's permanent financing. Almost invariably, the stock is down 50% six months later, the debt is way out of the money, and they have to figure out a way to pay it back. You know, So I, I to me, like just the, the warrant financial engineering piece is actually the least interesting part of this piece. Though, obviously, if you're really bullish on the software as a service, the business gives you a lot of operating leverage to, right. I'm never going to make that motion again on this uh, for the YouTube subscribers. That's my bad. Um, let's see. Uh, let me give you another pushback. So go ahead. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if you're bullish on the stock, then like the debt is a feature, right? Yeah, I just meant as the financial engineering, as cash coming in from the warrants, it, it, it's the a less compelling. Let, let's do the fourth pushback. Some of the parts, right? I, I think you're very bullish on the company. Why don't you lay out some of the parts obvious software as a service business, you slap multiple on it. Uh, the marketing decline business, you slap multiple on it. Get to some of the parts. How do you look at the, some of the parts here? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, a lot of it depends on what happens, right? I yep. mean, they, they just did the census acquisition that's going to bring them, uh, you know, a considerable amount of revenue. Uh, and, and I ultimately think it's going to bring them a lot of clients. Um, so, you know, that's, that's potentially an unknown, but I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because again, like I'm, you know, I generally buy the story, right? Um, so, you know, I kind of think that the, uh, the the Yellow Pages business is worth, you know, at maybe a little bit below um, the EV of, uh, of the stock, right? Um, and I'm saying that not because of the private party, like uh, buyout amount for it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of saying that just, you know, hey, I think that you'll, you'll have the debt payoff and I think that there'll be cash left to harvest to kind of compensate you for your time. Um, 
uh, the time value your money. And then, uh, so I think that's, that's worth about what we're at right now. So I'm just doing the math as we speak. So uh, 2020, the the legacy yellow page business did about 350 million in EBITDA. Yep. So you're saying, hey, I think that legacy business is worth 2.25 times EBITDA, which would get you to about $800 million in enterprise value. That's about the enterprise value of the company today. If I'm doing my math right, am I doing? Nope, I'm not doing my math right. I'm, I'm missing the- uh, like 1.2. Yeah. So you're thinking that the enterprise to get that, you're thinking it's kind of worth four times EBITDA if I'm doing my math right well, here. I mean, I'm throwing in census too, right? Because I mean, census, census, I mean, that's, yep. that's, that's throwing in some extra EBITDA to that as well. Um, so, and they paid 1.5 times EBITDA for that. And it's a pretty efficiently run business. Yeah. Um, so actually, that's my first pushback because I I really like the census acquisition, and we're going to talk bull case for the census acquisition in a second. But you know, I think my first pushback was be, hey, we just talked, and you're some of the parts you said the market, the yellow page business is worth four times EBITDA. They just did an acquisition, and I was reading some quotes from the CEO, and he said this is this is our yellow page business just in Australia. They just did an acquisition at about 1.5 times EBITDA. So why are you telling me the yellow page business is worth four times where I can say, hey? They just went and bought a whole business for 1.5 times EBITDA, right? So, you know, there is a valuation mismatch. How would you think about that? Well, I mean, with okay, so with census, there was a private equity firm that was kind of looking to dispose of it. And I mean, who wants to buy a yellow page business? I mean, the exact reason for your pushback is kind of why I think that, that there's um, and, and rightful pushback, right? I, I think it's correct. Um, I, I think that that kind of makes there be a market discount. And I guess I just fundamentally disagree with what the market's value is on that. You know, I think that it'll produce cash over time. I, I, I believe the story and I think that the that there's going to be something there. Um, you know, and I mean, this is something you see with like, you know, rural telcos or, you know, regional ISPs. You know, I mean, the, the market value is never there, but they keep producing cash flow over time, especially when you get them on a, a, a highly variable cost structure um, yep. to go along with the uh, revenue decline, which, uh, you know, Census and uh, uh, Thrive have both done. Um you know, so, and, and, you know, comp for this is Yellow Pages Canada, right? That's a public entity. And you can see where, you know, they kind of uh, bucked the trend of, of the bankruptcies and stuff. They will be, uh, per their last filing, they're uh, going to be paying off all their debt as soon as all the prepayment penalties and stuff are done, which is the first of May or the end of May 1. Uh, they're declaring dividends. Uh, and, and frankly, I think they're prepping for a sale um, right after that. And I think that Thrive's probably going to buy them. Um, that would make a lot of sense. You know, I mean, it goes with the English speaking country aspect of Australia. It goes with the good management. Uh, you know, you can add on Canada, keep the remote work, you know, there's commonality in a language, uh, you know, SaaS businesses could, could, I think really thrive for lack of a better term in Canada. Um, you know, so, so, you know, I think that it's seeing the yellow pages Canada, buck that trend helps. And, um, I mean, they've been shareholder friendly. Um, so yeah, I just, I just think that there's a, a private party market. I, I agree with you. I think Yellow Pages Canada uh, would be a great acquisition, but let's finish with some of the parts because then I think it'll help us dive into why the census acquisition is great. So yeah. we, we both just said, hey, call it four times EBITDA that gets you on the marketing business. That would get you about $1.5 billion of value from the marketing business. That's about the whole enterprise value. So that covers one piece of the sum of the parts. The other piece is the, the Thrive business that you're so excited about, right? So uh aiming for about 140 to 145 million in revenue in 2021. How do you think about valuing that part of the business? I mean, if you throw a 10 X multiple on that, which is what Paulson was, was talking about on uh, the uh, conference call, you know, it's another billion and a half right there. So, uh, you know, that's, that's substantial. Um, you know, HubSpot, again, it's a higher quality SaaS, much stickier. Their churn rates are, are less than half of, of what thrives will be on a good day, probably. Um, you know, so, but even if it's a 5X revenue, like still kind of compelling. Um, you know, I, I tend to think that there's going to be more growth there and more revenue than than they're, they're, than they're talking about in part because I think they're getting the, um, uh, their average revenue per user up. Uh, I think ThrivePay is going to help a lot with that. Uh, I don't think you're paying anything for ThrivePay as the payment processing platform that will be standalone, which is compelling. Um, and then census, I mean, you know, for some of the math on that, uh, like, uh, so let's say census has a hundred thousand, uh, customers right now, which is a little bit low, but let's just make it easy. So you got a hundred thousand and let's say they get a 10% conversion rate, which is exactly Are you using the calculator right now. 
I am. Yeah. This is old school. I love it. I, I love I, it. He I, just showed a, a real old school. Uh, what's that character called? A computer. I can't remember, but he showed a real one for those uh, who are listening on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was like eight bucks on Amazon. I, I love him. Big keys. Uh, I respect it. I respect it. Yeah. So, so anyway, if you get the 10% conversion rate uh, that the Yellow Pages had, and this will take, you know, a year and a half, two years, probably, maybe a little bit more. But, you know, I think it'll happen. And uh, I, I was going to save this for the end of the summer. They said, hey, we bought another Yellow Page business that didn't have Thrive. Uh, I think it was 2017 or something. And within two years, we got 10% of their customers onto the Thrive platform. So you're not pulling 10. Like when I first read your, your piece on it, I was like, He's just pulling 10% out of nowhere. That's a pretty big assumption. They've got a track record of having done this. So I, I just wanted to support your, your point there. Well, well, thank you. And the other thing too is SaaS uh, uh, adoption in Australia is lower than it is in America, right? So uh, I think that that may actually help them a little bit uh, in, in terms of getting more people up just because like, you know, Australia may be a couple years behind. So it would stand a reason they would catch up. Um, so anyway, so let's let's take their average revenue per user and multiply it by the, the, the ten thousand. They're getting two hundred and ninety dollars a month, roughly. Um, so that's uh, that's not right, is it? Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, two point nine million uh, a month times we got twelve. So that's thirty four point eight million. Call it thirty five million bucks in in additional revenue. So the census acquisition alone is going to give them what thirty percent growth. Right yeah. on top of what they're already guiding, and and the, the so okay so and they're paying two hundred million dollars for this thing right uh, two hundred million divided by thirty five million so that's that's five point seven times revenue um, for uh, for for the, the users they're getting and that's if you value the cash flow of that business at zero yeah so I don't think it's right. Hey, we bought this legacy yellow page business for a fair to cheap price, you know, 1.5 times trailing EBITDA or something. And then we just, because we have this Thrive product, we got all the optionality from that for free. And as you're saying, if you do the, uh, if you do the math on, if they re, if they can hit that 10% mark again, I mean, they could create theoretically 200, 300, $400 million of software as a service value from this $200 million acquisition that, by the way, is bringing in cash flow the whole time from the legacy product. So that that's what I was driving. And that makes the point I was going to say, like, when you do the sum of the parts, we're going to value it as, hey, software as a service, 5x revenue is worth one thing. Marketing, three times, four times EBITDA is worth another. That's going to get you to one value, but it misses the synergies between the two businesses and especially the synergies between, hey, we go by census. Hey, we go by the census of England. We go by yellow pages in Canada and we get these synergies over and over and over again. And by the way, as we do that and uh, Thrive gets a little bigger, maybe that revenue multiple goes up a little bit because it's a little bigger or maybe, you know, it gets some operating leverage to the revenue. Like there, there, there is a real synergistic one plus one equals 2.5 play here is I guess what I'm trying to drive at. Yeah. And so, you know, like, let's say that they're paying 1.5 or 5.5 tons revenue roughly for, for these customers, right? If you value them at a 10x multiple, right? That's pretty accretive, right? And then, you know, like something like HubSpot, you know, a couple of years down the road may want to come in and buy Thrive, right? So they can issue stock at 20 times revenue, buy a company for 10, 12. It's immediately accretive for HubSpot, you know, kind of makes some sense. You know, maybe it's not in HubSpot's interest to do that. I don't know, but I'm saying it's a, it's a possibility that can get you some really wild uh, uh, prices for that. Um, but just being reasonable with stuff from, from a ground level and just thinking of this from a, a purely value play, it's still, it's still very cheap because of all the optionality. Now, the other thing, too, is that Joe Walsh, uh, the CEO, he has a history with doing this sort of thing, right? He came in and took over Cambium. Uh, learned let's, uh, let's talk to Joe Walsh in a second because I, I do have questions on him. I just, just for people, we were throwing a lot of math around. You yeah. can correct me if I'm wrong, but... If I said the software as a service business is worth five times revenue, that would be worth seven hundred million. If we said marketing legacy yellow page is worth four times revenue, four times EBITDA, that's one point four billion. That would be a two point one billion EV. That would get us to I think about a forty three dollar stock. And obviously, we hadn't given them upside from census. We hadn't given them you know maybe the one plus one equals two point five we talked about, but. I think that's reasonable-ish. I don't think I've adjusted for warrants there, but it's, it wouldn't be a huge adjustment at that point. Are, are, is my math, would you push back hard on any piece of that math or anything? Um, no, no, I, I have no pushback on how you did that. Um, I mean, 
if I had pushback, it would be like, I personally am ascribing value to census, right? Um, so, you know, like me personally, like as it sits, because I do believe the census story, I think as it sits, it's worth probably 60 bucks. Um, but, you know, I, I buy the census story and I get that, you know, some people, they want to see the numbers before they, 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 they give them a, a value. But I mean, the market is a predicting force ultimately, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, predicting that with my, my valuation. And then again, you know, there, there's, that's not giving credit to any potential um, consolidation of the industry, like, you know, in England or something, because, you know, I, and we'll wait to talk about Joe Walsh, but part of the census acquisition, he'd known the, the, the head of uh, census for quite some time. You know, they'd met in person. They'd done some sharing of uh, processes, I, I believe. Uh, he talked about on one of the calls. Um, Joe Walsh is really well connected in this industry. You know, he's been in England for stuff. I mean, he's well connected. So, if there was going to be a deal maker to make this work and kind of roll this stuff up to get this really neat, um, uh, almost like buying the land and getting the timber or the oil underneath of it for free thing, um, Joe Walsh is the guy to do it. Great. Well, let's talk Joe Walsh. That's a perfect transition. So, uh, you know, I think he's a lot of investors who listen to this are going to think back to Cambium. It was ABCD when it was publicly traded. And uh, a lot of people made a lot of money following him into that roll up and eventually so on. I'll let you go into that story. But, you know, I, I am of two minds here, right? Because I think Joe Walsh has a good track record. I think he's executing the right strategy here. But at the same time, he's been the CEO of uh, of this company since 2014. Obviously, there was a bankruptcy 2016, 2017. I don't think you can throw all of that on him. But, you know, he's been here for seven years. They're trying to do a software as a ser- service startup. Why, when you say all that, I, I do think like, why is this guy the right guy to to lead this business? And you know, Andrew Jeffer talking so highly of him. He's been here for seven, eight years. We've had a bankruptcy. You know, are, are we putting a little bit too much shine on him? Maybe. I mean, you know, uh, we could be. Uh, but but you know, I I, I want to bet on him. I mean, he's got like you said, he's got a great track record, and I, I think part of the track record is. Um, at Thrive, actually, you know, I mean, it, it, they've already made back all the money that, that they've invested into the, the SaaS business, right? They're they're generating positive cash flow from it in EBITDA. I mean, you can you can they they very clearly um, highlight all this in their 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 presentations, uh, which all of their presentations and like their Stevens conference and and all, all that stuff are, are great things to catch you up. But their new conference call that uh, was actually yesterday with their 10K release was really good. They have a really nice presentation that I have pulled up here in case I need to reference it. Um, you know, but, you know, they grew a SaaS business from zero to 45,000 subscribers, right? Over the course of, you know, five, six years, something like that. Um, that's impressive. Um, you know, and, and the company, the, the SaaS business is, is generating cash flow and profits. You know, they, they aren't running the thing at a loss because, you know, there are a bunch of distressed guys. There were a bunch of distressed guys guys that control the board they've since kind of uh, realigned the board a little bit got some more software people in there but th- this was not going to be a money pit uh where they they just kept you know like a blue apron would have been or something where they're like well we need to get these customers and it's just growth 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 we don't care about anything else you know so so they cared about cash flow and i think that that, that responsibility that they that they had in that um kind of shows the the business acumen the guy I mean, that's not something, and they, they haven't issued a ton of equity. I mean, they bought back a bunch of shares. Um, you know, they did that about I don't know, maybe nine months, a year ago, something like that. So I, I it, he's just of a different, he's kind of a different cloth than, than a lot of these past guys. He had a quote and I, I tweeted this out, but it, it was a quote, something along the lines of they got that board refreshed last year and the board of directors came in and they said, uh, what the hell are you doing? You're making too much money in your software as a service business, yeah. right? Which, hey, that's just a great quote. I would love somebody to come in and be like, Andrew, you're making too much money. Dial it back a little bit. But, uh, it, you know, it, it did. It's a cute quote. It's really interesting. It speaks to, hey, we're, we're switching Thrive from a, a we're switching it to a bigger growth category, right? We're going to reinvest into it. But at the same time, when I say, hey, this guy's been CEO for seven years and he was running the business, he was running Thrive for cash flow for all these years when he had this huge opportunity. You know, it, it you can see why it raises some questions in the back of my mind. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, he's he's kind of zigging when, when others might have zag, you know. I mean, that's a fair point. But you know, at the end of the day, with small business software, the, the time for the growth period for a lot of those companies is right now, right? It's not five years ago because small businesses were not on like CRMs and stuff. I mean, that's, that's yep. a relatively new thing. 
Um, you know, uh, I mean, and you can see that with just the adoption of text messaging by people and, you know, cell phones and people emailing. I, Zoom. You know, Zoom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, nowadays you, you say to anyone, Hey, let's hop on a Zoom call. Everybody's ready. 18 months ago, a lot of people have been like, what? why are we, what? Yeah, my, my mom does aerobics over Zoom, right? And my mom, like, my, my brother affectionately refers to her as a virus for, like, cell phones and anything computer-related. And she can do Zoom now. So I think that there's that, that same sort of um, corollary with small business getting on these softwares. And so, you know, I think it was smart to run profitably for the time, you know, kind of zigging when others might have been zagging. And they ultimately stayed solvent with all their debt load. So there, there does need to be some credit for that because um, they navigated a lot of debt pay down. And a lot of debt payments. And, uh, you know, I think they're kind of reaping the rewards of that right now by, because they were able to raise $700 million of debt to kind of fund the census acquisition. And granted, it's, you know, it's, it's junk debt right now. It's, it's rated, at, you know, whatever junk debt's rated at. And, you know, they're paying, you know, eight and a half percent or something on it. But they did get their interest rate down some. And, you know, the, the terms were relatively similar to a, a, a debt offering that um, uh, Gannett recently did, which, you know, the, the Apollo guys are, are involved with that, right? So, you know, there's some industry stuff. Let me give you my last pushback because I'm sensitive to time and I want to have time for you to just give anything else on your mind that you're thinking about. But, you know, I think my last pushback would be uh, Joe Walsh, CEO, comes out and buys $4 million, $4 million worth of shares on the open market week and a half, two weeks ago, something, right? Uh, at, I think he bought it for $18 per share. And obviously that's a hugely bullish sign, right? The CEO coming out, writing $4 million check out of his own pocket. I'm with you. At the same time, uh, you know, I'm just looking at the insider sales, uh, Moderate Capital, Paulson, Golden Tree. I mean, they have been hammering the stock over the past couple months, right? Uh, you and I are bullish. We're doing the some of the parse math. We're saying, hey, this uh, marketing service business, huge cash flow, huge hidden gem in the software as a service business, tons of equity value underneath this. At the same time, they're not super levered. They go to a really accretive acquisition, not super levered, and they, they're rated junk. They're paying huge interest rates in today's market and everything, right? So uh, you can see the bullishness, but at the same time, super sophisticated investors bailing out. Rating services, debt investors, everything, they don't see the margin of safety that we're, we're kind of talking about here. So what's the discrepancy? How do you think about that? It may not necessarily be that they don't necessarily see the margin of safety. It, it, it's just that this type of investment isn't what they do, right? I mean, these were distressed debt guys that bought all the debt in bankruptcy, right? So if you're a distressed fund and then like all of a sudden, and, and that's kind of the, cut, the the cloth you're cut of, you know, it's a really big transition to go to, you know, hey, let's, let's cash flow this thing and then let's grow the SaaS business and do this other thing, right? I mean, it, it, it's, you know, I mean, you know, with the houses I do, you know, like we, we buy houses that are falling down and we rebuild them while they're still standing. Right. And sometimes it was, it probably would have been better to tear it down and do a new build. But I'll be honest, like I have no intellectual fascination uh, towards um, uh, uh, doing a new build. Like I would never do a development out, you know, in, in green space. Like I just, I, I don't want to do it. Like I could make a bunch of money doing it. And I wouldn't do it because I just don't want to. And so I think that it might be something like that with, with some of these debt funds. Um, you know, just not what they do. And it's probably a large position for them too. Um, you know, I mean, Mudrick's uh, uh, stock right now is probably valued, you know, this this is a swag, but, you know, maybe uh, 400 million bucks, something like that. He owns maybe 60% of the, the company. So, you know, that's a, a pretty big amount of money for the funds that he's got it in. So, you know, I mean, I, I think it would kind of be responsible for his investors for him to kind of reduce the exposure a little bit. Um you know, if, if, you know, I mean, me personally, right. If I, if I had 80% of my stock in, in a company, I, it's, it's still possible for me to be bullish on the stock, but be selling it just from a risk control perspective. Yep. Either that's something that's, that's missed by a lot of people with that. Um, the other thing too, is, I mean, Paulson, you know, he seems to be pushing for a spinoff of the SAS. I originally had that as part of my investment thesis was, Hey, this thing will be spun off for 10 times revenue or something like that. And, and that's a big catalyst. And the more that I dug into it, I, I just, I started to really like the SaaS and, um, you know, think that there's a lot of growth potential there to really do some compelling things. And so, you know, maybe Paulson was doing a little bit of spike selling or something of that nature. Uh, some people on Twitter were calling him Paper Hands Paulson for whatever reason. I, I, I don't know enough about his track record uh, to make a comment on that. 
I, I, I always thought he was pretty smart for figuring out the subprime crisis, but uh, you know, you know, maybe, maybe he's wrong on this. I don't know. But, but the other thing too, is like funds, they can't have, you know, part, I, I think the other side of that is you need to have less insider ownership, you know, of this controlled entity basically for other funds to be able to invest in it, to that, that really understand the SaaS business, you know, so that the company can be re-rated by, by newer investors that understand the SaaS business. Yep. And, uh, you know, there are liquidity requirements for a bunch of funds and stuff. So, you know, I, I think that there does need to be some shareholder-based turnover for that. And, um, you know, ultimately, like Dex Media was on, you know, the Russell and it was on indexes and ETFs and stuff. And it's just a matter of time before Thrive gets picked up by that. And I think that they're trying to get some of the insider ownership down so there's some more flows so that it can be on more ETFs, more and uh, uh, more mutual fund baskets, et cetera, et cetera. And then there can be some really compelling things happening. But again, I, I, I kind of view that as a forward-thinking uh, market mechanism, right? Because um, you know, if you wait till that happens to start buying the stock, the opportunity is going to be gone. So I'm willing to deal with whatever happens for the next year or whatever it is. It could be two months. It could be a year and a half. I don't know. But I, I think that ultimately uh, the, the market will, will realize kind of the mistake that is made with this low float stock. Yeah. No, look, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I will just throw two things. A, Paulson going on and asking them for a spinoff. Like, I, I, I certainly get it. If you think this stock, I'm just going to pull a number. If you think it's worth 50 in a split and it's currently trading at 20, yeah. I do. I obviously see the, the desire to get that short term split it and grab it. But at the same time, as we talked about, I do think one plus one equals 2.5 here. And I do think it would be uh, very like short penny wise, pound foolish if you split them up right now, right? Like, I, again, the census thing, what if they get 10,000 subs from census and they basically acquired all of them for free because they just, they bought the business at a fair value for the elevator. So I think that in the long run, I'm sure that happens, but in the short run, I think that's cutting off your nose, your face. And then the other thing I'd say, like, I definitely hear you, like Mudrick's distress, Paulson's distress. It, it does, it always does worry me when you've got a guy who owns 60% of the stock and he says, Hey, I'm leaning into this stock to get rid of it. It, it. It's just a concern. It's just a concern. And I do hear you. It's it's a different thing what, than what they do. But you know, we're here talk, saying some of the parts forty stock twenty, and the larger shareholders saying, "Let me get out of my stock." Um, no disagreement. I think we've covered a lot here. Again, I, I, I'm asking tough questions because I I was interested as I dug into it and really read those reports. I I was getting more and more interested in it. Uh, but I, I want to turn it over to you. Is there anything you know you think about with Thrive that you don't think we hit that you wish we had hit harder? Any last words you want to say here? Uh, let me look at these charts real quick. Mm. Yeah, not really. I, I mean, it, it makes up something like fifty percent of my portfolio between the warrants and the stock. I mean, I'm crazy bullish and have a bunch of concentration in it, which is you know either going to make me look really smart or really stupid. So. Well, I, I think it's going to make you look really smart. You know, I, I as I've said, I haven't gotten all the way on it yet, but I, it, it is a really interesting story. And, you know, I guess the sticking point, as I said at the beginning, I, I do have, hey, I had that like one year from now writing a letter and saying, hey, we invested in a formerly bankrupt Yellow Page company and they went bankrupt again. You know, I've got that in my mind. But on the other hand, I do have all the things where it's, Hey, there was this dying legacy business, but it had great customer distribution, relationships, cash flow, and they used it to evolve into something so much bigger that you know we went from trading at a two times EBITDA multiple to something that should be valued at a ten times revenue multiple. You know, so I, I've got both those in my mind. I think it's a super compelling, interesting thing. Um, I'm a little nervous that I'm going to post this on. Uh, I'm going to post this podcast and destroy the opportunity, but that's uh, everyone should do their own work. That's okay. Uh, Jeff Moore, it, it, great to talk to you. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Looking forward to uh, to the next one. Thanks again. Thanks for having me.